Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Marco Poupard. And I'm your other host, Emily Bajan. As Waka Flocka Flame once said, I am going to freestyle off the dome today because I have, I am coming to you, no notes, nothing ready. I have been at an offsite for the last three days for work and my brain is dead. So Emily and I decided that we're going to do, let's just say like a companion episode to our asteroid movies. Not because we're going to like talk about asteroids or talk about the Bugs Life versus Ants uh, box office feud of 1998 as well. No, it's more of like a musical direction because we had such a great time blasting Aerosmith last (laughs) week to the chagrin of everyone around us and to the concern of our loved ones. Um, (laughs) But we thought what would be fun to talk about today is some iconic soundtracks from movies of a bygone era. I feel like soundtracks are a art form lost to time, much like burned mix CDs that you make for your friends. Um, And a, a good soundtrack has a combination of elements. Like, I think... Barbie might be like the closest one, yes. but like the sheer joy of getting a a soundtrack, a physical media soundtrack is that there were always like little things like in the jacket, in the liner notes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes they would have like the interludes in between songs have like clips from the movie. Oh, oh my God. Oh like my God. famously that Jerry Maguire. Um, yes. Oh, that version of Fire Secret song. Garden. Yeah, Secret, Secret Garden. Garden. Oh. Yeah. Where she's like, you had me at hello. Yes, and that was played. (laughs) That was played on the radio. There was like a five-minute speech on Kiss FM. Remember, because one, growing up, uh, my dad had a bunch of burned CDs from his friends, including Bruce Springsteen's Greatest Hits, and that version, I'm pretty sure, was on the Greatest Hits, uh, Springsteen's Greatest Hits. And I remember this version. That is very bizarre. I know. know. Was it really that like? Was it was it, a big, it was kind of, was it successful? Like, was it successful yeah, chart wise? I think it was. I think like Springsteen's songs in the nineties, like he was a huge hit in like the seventies and eighties In the nineties. It really was soundtracks. Cause it's like Philadelphia, yeah. oh. which is very sad and streets of Philadelphia. And then, and then, um, and then secret garden from Jerry Maguire. I feel like those are his big, he had maybe another hit or two in the nineties, but really those were like the major ones. I think that's when he crossed over to nostalgia act, which I don't care. Cause I, I love Springsteen, but the nineties were much more a soundtrack. He was like the Kenny Loggins of the 90s, maybe. No, that's so... I mean, you make a great point, which is like having soundtracks was a good way for artists to release singles before before streaming when you could just put a single up. Like, I mean, look at... I don't know. Any contemporary artist now just has like a shitload of singles that don't belong to any single album and are just out there floating around because they're just out there testing the audience versus, you know, before... You could release a single as part of like a soundtrack the way that like Aerosmith yeah. did and it blew up yeah. so much that they had to include it on a regular um, physical release. So yeah, we're talking about well, like iconic soundtracks today is what we're really trying to say. Very excited. One li- minor note on what you just said. I'm remembering one of my favorite queens in the world, Sade, uh, has not released new music in like over 10 years, except she had a song, I think, on the Wrinkle in Time soundtrack or whatever. Right. I think like Disney released a movie adaptation a few years ago. And that's that is really a great way for an artist who's just like, I don't have it in me to make a whole album to just like show up 
do a quick song, maybe get an Oscar nomination out of it. And, you well, know, look at Rihanna. She just look at Rihanna for the Black yeah. Panther soundtrack yeah. last year. Yeah. She, and and yeah. everybody was hyped. They're like, oh, yeah, like it's, it's going to be great. We did and a it's whole like episode. A, it's a fucking ballad. Everyone's like, I know. oh, no. Okay. No, <laughs> Riri. Lift me up. Got it. Cool. Sounds, <laughs> sounds great. I'll put my sparkly pants away now. <laughs> but I mean, if you want to, if you want to feel like Sade is still currently releasing music, you need to go to the nail salon that I go to because they play nonstop track after track Sade, like truly. If you want to, yeah, to hear it. Like you can just go to <laughs> Nails on Grand and just hear hit after hit because to uh, them, Sade is still a, t- a contemporary artist. You know, according to my rap a few years ago, she certainly also, was for me too. Also correct for you as well. Yeah. <laughs> who who could have seen that one coming? Steely Dan's number one fan on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so some of the soundtracks, because Emily so graciously put together a list, and I, you know, contrary to what you may think, I I had no, I had nothing to add, because I owned most, if not all, of these. Yeah. And so I think we're just going to, like, kind of, in a roundabout way, talk about Freaky Friday, which you recently won at a Freaky Friday screening. Yes. Well, so so part of the reason I thought about this, we thought about this idea for this season in general was because we were jamming out to the Freaky Friday soundtrack in my car because I'd want it at a screening that we went to with our friends Todd and Zoe. And the next day we had a pool hangout where we all went, met up at a pool. Um, unfortunately, our, our day was a little dampened by some children jumping in the pool, but but most of the day was wonderful. And well, our, our drive you- there... <laughs> don't 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 cut it down. That was really good people watching. Even oh, it was though it fantastic. Was dis- it was disgusting at times. <laughs> but that that Renaissance painting photo that I took of oh my the old guy who looks like like the guy from Jurassic Park and that weird teen with a towel wrapped around their waist <laughs> and it, it was just absolute chaos. But I oh do love God. that picture. Friends, you may remember that sometimes in middle school there's always one boy in your class who's like an old <laughs> man at 12. We located one of those kids. He was at the pool that day. And that is the aforementioned waste towel kid that was in a, a Marco's Renaissance painting photo. Oh, we should put that up on the Instagram as like part of the image, like the promo image or whatever. You can just swipe to see. But yes, we, we were jamming out to the Freaky Friday soundtrack on an actual CD that's currently in my car. And it still slaps. It's great. It's currently in Emily's car because she also cannot get it out. So no, there's also that's true. that. That's that's true. But but what is CD to sell your car with uh, when you do eventually sell your car? <laughs> if it's sold as a whole car and not parts, yes, I would firmly agree. Uh, it, well, even if they sell it for parts, they're going to get that part of your car as well, which is the Freaky Friday soundtrack. It's a real treat. Say, I mean, the ultimate is really just mm-hmm. a... A, mm-hmm. a classic good song because when you and I were working on uh, this script idea, you and I went back and revisited the Josie and the Pussycat Strand yes. track and the ultimate, that song in particular, because we were both so like, this is the kind of music you need to have to have a catchy yes. single yes. from a movie, even if it's like a fake song from a movie, like what are good fake songs from movies? And yeah. the ultimate is one of them. There's a couple on this CD too, because I'm looking at the 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 track listing, and you have For the Freaky one, Friday. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and "Take Me Away." It says by Christina Vidal, who's the lead singer of the the band, of the fictional band. But that's like the main song I think they sing at the um, House of Blues at their audition. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. A lot of good covers on this uh, on this soundtrack. So you've got like a cover of Happy Together by Simple Plan, What I Like About You by Lilix. Um, what else? Oh, you have the Baby One More Time cover by Bowling for Soup. Uh, with and the intro. Chad Michael Murray, hello. With the <laughs> intro, which again, a great example of like a movie intro, like in, as an interlude to a song. Oh, and they also have the Donnas on here, which yeah. is... Uh, yeah, I think a sadly, like, maybe forgotten band a bit, because whenever I bring oh, it up, most people I are like, who? Hey, I'm like, I fucking loved the Donnas. They they were such a 90s teen movie soundtrack staple because yes. they show up in Drive Me Crazy, um, Jawbreaker, 
and at least one or two other movies. But they they had, I mean, and, and in both those movies, they played the they were the prom band. Mm-hmm. Well, Amazing, good prom bands. I mean, as we go down this list, we also have Ten Things I Hate About You. Oh we're yeah, we're gonna talk about Pulp Fiction, which was also a great iconic soundtrack that really, I think, like numbers wise, did really well as well. Yeah, the Parent Trap. Yeah, Bodyguard, Charlie's Angels, also classic. Legally Blonde, Princess Diaries, Coyote Ugly, which I have a great story about. Can't stop the moonlight and baby one more time mashup. Um, so when we get to <laughs> just speaking of, so when we get to it, we'll get to it. Josie and the Pussycats, Save the Last Dance, Center Stage. Oh yeah, Juno, My Best Friend's Wedding, Clueless, Empire Records, Bring It On, and Cruel Intentions. Maybe we'll get to all of them specifically, but. But we will call it out as best we can. Um, we're not going to like unpack each one like track by no. track or anything like that. No. But yeah, let's get into it. So I have a question for you, Margot, though. What was the first soundtrack you remember listening to or first buying? I really think it was Clueless because I was so obsessed with that movie when I was yeah. younger. Um, and so I think it's definitely that was the one that I had. Because when I think about like first – albums or like cds i owned like mm-hmm. it was wham i remember that i had a wham tape a rupaul yep. single and like a b52s tape so those are like some of the first things that i remember but Ugh, i think in terms of like that. soundtrack that i like blasted intentionally in my room it was definitely like clueless i love that what about you so it might have been Clueless or The Parent Trap, to be honest, which was mm. had some classic. It's a very Nancy Meyer soundtrack. So it's got, mm-hmm. you know, you've got your Nat King Cole, but you also have some really great, you know, songs on there. Get good vibes. In some ways, I don't know if it was really meant for kids because there's only like one or two kind of teeny bopper songs on the soundtrack. But I was obsessed with all things Parent Trap. So I had to have it. Um, that was fun, though. There was like a I like to this day I blast that soundtrack but more for like dinner parties <laughs> yeah it is actually like uh, I mean this is peak uh what's that playlist like a co- coastal grandmother <laughs> or oh whatever. yeah coastal grandmother for sure for sure it, it's peak this I mean I'm looking at yeah. it right now you've got like Linda Ronstadt you, you've got <laughs> like you said Natalie Cole and Dusty Springfield yeah the Beatles the Laws I mean there's some when you think about hearing older or like music that's not necessarily marketed to kids I think a lot of it a lot of the bands that I heard that wasn't something that my parents necessarily listened to always came from a soundtrack from a movie totally and actually you bring up a good point which is going to come up at one point in our notes which is that like you uh the first time you hear a lot of oldies, if you're, you know, of a young age when you're listening to certain soundtracks, is going to be on a soundtrack. It may not be because you, to your point, grew up with it. If that wasn't the the, the music your parents listened to, um, yeah, that was for me so much so on this Parent Trap album. Um, let's see. So we just we talked about the first ones that we remember buying. Do you remember? Obviously, we just talked about how these are probably some favorites, for, uh, but are there any others that are like particular standouts for you from this list? I mean, so the Pulp Fiction soundtrack was not something that I necessarily like owned per se. Like it was yeah. like the family soundtrack. And I would say yeah. the same for the bodyguard. But um, Charlie's Angels, I really, I mean, mm-hmm. it had like Destiny's Child on it. I think it had like a little bit of everything that you love. So it yes. had like music that was like geared for me, um, a middle schooler with Destiny's Child, but also had, um, what's that boat song? Like, the oh, sailors, oh, Brandy. oh, Brandy, you're a fine girl. Yeah. Which like, oh. I absolutely, uh, I love. really enjoyed that song quite Yacht a bit. Yacht Rock staple. And I would also say, I mean, along like, the, I would say Yacht, Yacht Rock train but like center stage and save the last mm-hmm. dance like as mm-hmm. somebody who mm-hmm. was actively dancing while those yep. soundtracks were popular like every fucking audition i went to and also participated in it. i'm not trying to act like i'm above it because i fully did an audition to red hot chili peppers higher ground because i was so obsessed with center stage but every yes. uh, every dance audition from like 1999 to 2004, somebody picked a song from either the Save the Last Dance soundtrack or from the Center Stage soundtrack. Absolutely. So because, you know, I had a little sister, we shared our CD collection. So if I didn't have it, she had it. And I'm pretty sure she had both of these, but I listened to them 
all the time. Save the last dance in center stage. And in particular, center stage was just like such, oh my God, like such a good soundtrack. And lately I have been listening to Save the Last Dance, a little like early 2000s R&B hip hop. It's so uh, good. So, so good. Like I'd argue, you know, I mean, after we revisited Save the Last Dance, I got to say the soundtrack is better than the movie. Like, you have Oh, car- I could agree car- with that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I totally co-sign it. As somebody who was influenced by this movie to leave ballet and do something different, I <laughs> I can safely say that the soundtrack beats the beats the movie. I mean, the movie in a lot of ways, like we talked about on the episode about Save the Last Dance, like it does the terrible thing of like a fear and grief based like change in your life. Like, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, her losing her mom and like having a lot of regret about that and like getting yes. a second chance and that knowing what to do with it. I don't know. I, I feel obviously we've seen that done better. And it also follows that Disney trope of like, let's just murder the mom. So she like has something to go through. Yeah, that's her challenge. <laughs> um, the other one that you mentioned earlier, which is a favorite for me, is Charlie's Angels for sure. Mm-hmm. That's another great one. Um, another one where there's like that movie interlude with Tom Green uh, before Brandy. He he does the the sailor say Brand. Like you get. Anyway, yes. It's great. I great. also think that because Mick G, who directed Charlie's Angels, had such a big um, music video background. I think that that obviously some of these soundtracks you look through it and it's like some of these directors have very specific ideas. For sure. And for sure. For let's say like needle drops or specific mu- like specific music tastes. And I think about Quentin Tarantino and how mm-hmm. I wouldn't have ever listened to some of the music on my own had it not been for like Jackie. I would also say like Jackie Brown soundtrack. Jackie Brown's too. great. Yeah. But same goes for Pulp Fiction because he could pull rare or not rare, but like not Is popularly surf- listened to. Yeah. yeah. Surf rock or even yeah. um, old school R&B as well. Yeah, I, I this album for me, Pulp Fiction, was one that another one that my dad burned off of someone else, <laughs> and I stole it and listened to it all the time because I just I don't know I really was digging the surf rock at the time, but uh, yeah, still a great soundtrack. The other one I would say on this list that's a favorite for me um, is Coyote Ugly, which you I know you have a story for. Um, so let's let's maybe get into that. But like for me, this album, my sister owned it as well, um, but it had. Uh, like five Leanne Rhyme songs and then a bunch of really good dance throwbacks. Well, so, I mean, it, the story, it's not necessarily a story. It was just we're out to dinner with some friends and can't find the moonlight, like, came on at the restaurant. No. And and the one of our friends was like, oh, doesn't this song sound a little bit like Hit Me Baby One More Time? Because uh, like because it's that, that interlude, she's like, can't fight the yeah. moonlight. And like yeah. it can kind of it almost sounds like I'm not that innocent. And so yes. we were having a lively table debate about whether or not you could do like a mashup between can't fight the moonlight and baby one more time. And I have to say, I, I do hear it. It does make sense yeah. to me. So I, yeah. I will actually just want your perspective as, you know, another music aficionado, if you if that tracks for you or if you think it's a reach. No, I think it's specifically with baby one more time. I think it's, it's not a reach because they have a very similar drum machine in the background. Like their percussion is almost identical. It's about the same RPM. I would say like it's, 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 um, not RPM or BPM. Like it's, it's about the same tempo. And, uh, I would say the only difference really is that musically, obviously the can't fight the moonlight's a much more challenging song. There's like three key changes in it. Um, and it's just, but, but ultimately I could see that mashup working out really well. So someone out there, mashup DJ, do your thing. Yeah. Girl talk, do it, <laughs> make it, make it happen. Uh, but oh, yeah, that's my, know, that's my coyote ugly tidbit. I have another question for you, which is hmm. in the midst of buying all these soundtracks, was there one where you bought it strictly for one song and then the rest of it was like a kind of a bummer? And it may not even be on this list. So like, is there, are there any that come to mind where you like, I have to get this for this one song. And then the rest of it was just kind of like, eh. I'm sure there is one, but nothing's coming to mind. Do you have one? Um, not really. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, I own the Rugrats soundtrack at one point, the Rugrats movie soundtrack. And the other songs were okay. There were like one or two okay ones. Uh, but 
I think it was definitely meant for like Gen X adults with children because there were a lot of like Elvis Costello and um, other musicians on there. Um, but I got I bought it mostly because of the Take Me There song with Maya and Case <laughs> and like I forget who else is on that track. Maybe Blackstreet. Um, I, I like, I don't want to get it confused with the lineup on ghetto superstar. Cause they both came out around the same time and had, oh, sure. I think there's a bit more overlap than just Maya on those songs, but yeah. In terms of other soundtracks, like, you know, we were just talking about Barbie. Why do you think soundtracks were so important in the nineties and two thousands? Just like, you know, Barbie being an exception, but really the last 10 years, I wouldn't say there've been that many so- soundtracks apart from like scores, you know, people still really love listening to scores when they, you know, work or study, but like, I was YG. just about to say that. Cause I yeah. was like, Oh, yeah. you know, like people love the succession score. Oh, people yeah. love the white Lotus Hans, score. Hans Zimmer although, is rolling in the dough. Like, although when I tried to work to the white Lotus score, I truly started to I have a, do it. a panic attack. I was just like too much. <gasps> yeah. I just no. feel very anxious all of a sudden. Yeah. Could um, not do it. I think I don't really know what happened in the last 10 or 15 years other than I do know that. I mean, the move to streaming obviously has like changed a lot of the movie industry and obviously yeah. the music industry as well. And I think so many of the changes across both have made it kind of maybe complicated. And I'm sure it has something to do with residuals. I'm sure it has to do with studios and having to get along with possibly just like in-house artists versus you can't just like pick whoever. And then also this trend of musicians specifically selling their catalogs for large sums of money. You, I can't help but think that that has to fucking play a role in it. Yeah. And I also think that I would also say that like the other good soundtrack um, that came out of a movie recently was the first Black Panther soundtrack. That was all yeah. Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. And, and you could, I would, you could even make a case, even though I hated all of the original songs or, or the new original songs, you could also say that the Lion King with Beyonce and Donald Glover was also very good. But these are all truly like singular artists or yes. two artists who have um, a unified vision overseeing yeah. the arc of a soundtrack. And and I guess you could also say. James Gunn has like a very particular point of view. And I, I would also point to like at least the Guardians of the Galaxy volume one had a pretty successful soundtrack. But that's because they made an effort in the movie to kind of have this mixtape tie in with mm-hmm. um, Chris Pat- Pratt's character, like having that uh, mixtape from his mom who's dead now, blah, blah, blah. So like yeah. those are like a couple of instances I can think of. But it seems like maybe I think stuff is like so awards driven that most people like don't want to do it unless it's going to win an award like Gaga with A Star Is Born. Totally. You just brought up something that I hadn't even thought about. So you you mentioned like Succession and White Lotus earlier. And while they're praised for their scores, I would also add that a lot of those HBO miniseries and TV shows um, are kind of the holdouts in terms of like soundtracks people are still jamming. Like when Big Little Lies was first released, oh, sure. I remember that soundtrack was really big. Like people really liked to listen to it. And it wasn't just like the score, but like the actual uh, soundtrack of the songs they were playing throughout the scenes. But those to me have been kind of the, the exceptions in the last, you know, 10 years besides the ones you brought up for movies and such. But like, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think you're you're absolutely right. Like streaming kind of killed the game of uh, the movie industry and similarly kind of any companion pieces to a movie have kind of gone away. I mean, people are just not buying physical media anymore. And to your well, we point, both know that's not true because we look at vinyl sales, yes. and and that is like insanely popular. Like as somebody who sure. is waiting on their vinyl pre order of the that thing you do soundtrack, like oh, I need on to order vinyl, that. <laughs> like it is still popular. We you and I, you bought me so nicely the Josie and the Pussycat soundtrack yeah. on vinyl too. Like there yeah. are ways to do it, but also manufacturing vinyl is expensive. It takes yes. a long time. It yes. only kind of makes sense if you pre order it because you don't want to make a bunch of vinyl records and then just have them fucking sitting around because you lose money. People are really scared to spend money. And by people, I mean studios. They're terrified to spend money on anything that's not like an absolute 150% chance of a million dollar profit. And I think that has something to do with it. But also it it has to do with like rights, like because I'm thinking about when we rewatched The Hills, how they took out all of the music. I was going to bring that up. 
yep, a huge, yep. huge part of the show and like why we yeah. loved it and why it's such a great contemporary piece of pop culture. But but because of streaming rights and complicated music royalties, they had to take out all of the music and now they use like selling sunsets like ooh ooh ooh, ooh sell that oh house my God. like. but there is like so I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to talk about that too so when I was looking at the Freaky Friday soundtrack on Spotify just now there are like like some are grayed out yeah exactly and that's because you know a lot of these you know when these albums were released uh, there were a lot more record labels in the game and now everybody's owned by someone else there's really only Mm -hmm. three major record labels out there I think it's Universal it's Warner and Sony that's it and so you know, it becomes when you are kind of these giant conglomerates, you're less likely to clear it for something small potatoes as like the streaming rights to this one cover song by this two hit band from this 2004 soundtrack because it's just not worth the time. Totally. And I used to know somebody who worked in music clearing and it it's a more complicated process, I think, than we all realize or like yeah. a more lengthy process, maybe not complicated, but like lengthy. And no, yeah, for sure. to your point, like if they just want to get it out and like make money, what is their incentive, like monetary incentive to not do that? Yeah. Because um, it's a shame. There's no more. There are not. There are no kind of great movie tie ins anymore. I it's you know it's it was it was a fun aspect like I was thinking so you're bringing up like the original those those soundtracks where it's like an artist composes like an original an entire original soundtrack and there are a couple of instances of that throughout the 80s 90s and 2000s like very famously like Prince in 1989 for the Bat- Tim Burton Batman movie did a whole soundtrack Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm like blanking on someone from the 90s, but I know there's at least a few like I think Peter Gabriel did one for like The Last Temptation of Christ. That might have also been an 80s movie, but like no, the you, Tarzan soundtrack was in the town's Phil Collins. Yeah, it's Collins. 90s. Yeah, yeah. All the time. Sorry. But both Genesis. I mean, they're both members of Genesis. So it's that's easy... why that's yeah. why. And they both kind of like seem like similar assholes world you know <laughs> 80s musicians that had a world music you know tie in at one point or another yes yeah. what she said <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're like that was it was a really big deal and like uh it, it's it's so interesting the other thing is like children's soundtracks i mean now you you it's it's gone so broadway and it, i mean it was a little like that in ni- in the 90s but you i feel like you had a lot more it was much more rock focused with like the kids movie soundtracks like now there is nary a, a kids movie where a disney movie where lin manuel miranda has not put his hand or stamp on <laughs> yeah totally because i was also just thinking of like the last like super popular soundtrack was for hamilton the yeah. stage production yeah so uh, that's that should tell you everything. Truly. Um, in terms of other kind of questions I wanted to ask you. So you brought up that thing you do and we talked about Josie and the Pussycats. And I think we obviously want to maybe talk about this at, at a future episode potentially, but just very quickly, you know, a lot of soundtracks that we loved in, in this time centered around fictional bands. Are there any particular standouts we should talk about? Um, or talk about a bit further. Other bands or other songs from the like, soundtracks? Yeah, from soundtracks. So it could be like a whole album was done by the fictional band, or there were like a couple of fictional band songs on that soundtrack. Yeah, well, they have um, Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters on. <laughs> they have that song on the soundtrack, and that's that's a fake band within a, within a fake band movie, which is kind of interesting. And same with... Um, Du jour. Thank you. I was like, say no more. I'm like, you're not yeah. their name. But which <laughs> what? Which well, that's not on the Empire Records soundtrack. I wish it was. Rex Rex uh, Manning, uh, say no yeah, more. Not. That does yeah. that does suck. It's yeah. too bad. It's too bad. But yeah, du jour. I mean, all of these, a bunch of these songs were written by the late Adam Schlesinger. Like oh, right. that thing you do do. Um, pretend to be nice on Josie and the Pussycats. I think he wrote a few of the du jour songs on that album. Like I believe that- he did. Cause in because another great uh aspect of like having physical media, when you open up the Josie and the Pussycats like um trifold, like inside the vinyl, there's a whole story about how they wrote a lot of these songs. Yeah. And I do think one of the screenwriters from Josie and the Pussycats 
wrote part of a du jour song like in the back of a cab yeah. or whatever and the story is inside the little booklet and so oh these yes. are like kind of like this is the context that you lose when everything is just like in a cloud you just made me think remember that it's deborah kaplan and harry elfont who directed just the pussycats who also mm-hmm. did can't hardly wait and have a and also i think had a background in music videos which makes a lot of sense because both movies, I mean, one's about a fictional band or a couple of fictional bands. The other is about a house party, but both have killer soundtracks. Well, you could also say it's about Ethan Embry's love of Barry Manilow. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the soundtrack just, is so good. When yeah. we were driving back from a writer's retreat where we ended up watching Can't Hardly Wait, I downloaded the soundtrack so we could listen to it in the car. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Because it has soundtrack. everything. It has The Replacements. It yeah. has, um, does it have the fake band from the house party with um, oh, Donald Faison? Oh, Love Burger. Love Hold, Burger, I'm, thank I'm, you. I'm looking it up right now. I'm looking it up just because I was, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pulling it up right now. It looks like they don't, which is a real disappointment. And it's very sad. If 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 they do a re-release of this soundtrack on vinyl, I hope they do. But oh, graduate from third by third eye blinds on here too. Well, so is owed by Creed. Oh my God! So there are some some a dud here and there, but but uh, damn it by Blink One Eighty Two. Oh man, this is great. This is real. Hit him with that heat. Oh my God! And again, like some throwbacks. So you have "It's Tricky" by Run DMC and "Flashlight" by Parliament. Like I would say and- that. It's tricky. The first time I heard it was in Can't Hardly Wait. Me too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great example of that. Um, and then I think the first time I ever heard Can't Hardly Wait by The Replacements. Like this might be Same. the first time I, I ever heard The Replacements. And they, I I love The Replacements now. But yeah. Wild. Amazing. Um, but yeah, again, like two directors, uh, a pair of directors who did a really good job on the soundtrack front, who who had really good companion pieces to their films. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other fictional bands in the list we had, you know, up posted here. Like, um, I mean, it's not a fictional band, but in Juno, you do have like the cover of Elliot Page and Michael Sarah's version of, um, anybody else, but you that like part-time lover, full-time friend song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then otherwise, oh, in my best friend's wedding, it's not a fictional band, but it is like, they do have Rupert Everett's version of, I say a little prayer for you. I have, I had this on my list and it's just cause like, I remember listening to it, um, every once in a while, there were like really good modern covers of Burt Backrack songs. Apparently I was like a mom <laughs> at 10 years old. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I wouldn't say that this was an iconic soundtrack necessarily, but no. Austin Powers had like yes. a Burt Bacharach yes. <laughs> cameo. And yes. because of that is the only reason I had any awareness of who Burt Bacharach was when I was like, however old, nine. I had the Austin Powers soundtrack and that had a lot of film interludes as well. And I think like Austin Powers' fictional band may have had a song on the original Austin Powers soundtrack, but it's been so long. I couldn't tell you. Um yeah, what a fun. Oh, this is like, I'm going to be listening to more soundtracks after this. Are there any soundtracks that are significantly better than the movie they supported? We talked about Save the Last Dance. Are there any else on this list that you are like, yeah, movie so so, killer soundtrack though? Hmm. No, not really. I mean, I really like all of the movies that we have listed here. I mean, I could see how some people don't necessarily love Empire Records, the movie, but could mm-hmm. respect the soundtrack mm-hmm. because it is kind of like a weird movie, right? Like, you, yeah, I, it is a little campy. Like, I feel like you can't. The first time I watched it, I was probably too young to even understand what's happening. But I definitely was like, are all these people like for real, for real? Or are they just like kind of like being a little dramatic? Like, I couldn't yes. tell. Maybe it was because yeah. of like. The save the the save the bell like um I'm so so excited and I'm so so scared that I was like is like Liv Tyler like really serious about her like pillow problem or is that it kind was of, like, a, a Jesse Spano yeah. yes and I couldn't it's really Jesse like, Spano could not get a beat on it so I would say that like the first time I watched it I definitely thought it was camp like yeah <laughs> or you know didn't know that that was the word but that was how I felt about it 
I, I think it hits for me to this day. I still watch Empire Records once a year rec- on Rex Manning Day. And I think it's because I watched it at 14, 15 years old. The probably absolute perfect age to have seen this film. And I can see how ridiculous there are meant this many scenes are in this movie. But yeah, I would agree. Like if I'm looking at the movie at Empire Records objectively, it is not a fantastic film. It has a fantastic cast and a lot of very funny moments. Uh, and a killer soundtrack. But I would say I think the soundtrack might technically be better than the film. And it's really hard for me to say that. I'm saying it as a film critic with a film critic lens and not a the 14, 15 year old that still lives inside me. lens. Yeah, I think that it it is interesting to revisit these to be like, or at least revisit some of these movies and be like, well, was it like a really good movie? Or was I just 10 when I saw it? And I really enjoyed it. But I do think that, like, I would say to go the reverse way, I don't know if the Princess Diaries soundtrack lives up to how good the movie is. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, There's like two really, two, three really good songs. I had that soundtrack. It's that um, Miracles Happen song that's still a banger. And there was also uh, that there was like a song by this girl named a one name singer named Crystal that I guess the Backstreet Boys had signed, had started their own label at the time, which like, remember when people like people could do that? I mean, nowadays it's like more independent artists will do that. But like this boy band was like, we're going to start our own label. So they signed this girl and she had this song. I don't think she I don't know if she ever released another song. I don't know if she's even Myra? on Spotify. Um, her name is crystal so there's there's oh, mira who did miracles happen and had a couple of other disney soundtracks i think but yeah the only christy song... i'm seeing is christy carlson romano <laughs> oh my god then i don't even know maybe this song didn't even make it on the soundtrack i could have sworn it was on here this is like this is very sad princess diary soundtrack yeah i guess it's not it's not even on here oh wow Well, anyway, there was like that and then Mandy Moore's cover of Stupid Cupid. But yeah, I wouldn't say it was like the most fantastic soundtrack. Unfortunately, it's missing on Spotify a few of the songs because of all the label drama. But uh, yeah, I would say the movie is better than the soundtrack. Um, uh, Trying to see if there are any other ones here where I feel that way as well. Like. I mean, if for me, most of these are kind of head to head with their the movie they supported or are better than the movie. Um, yeah, like I was rewatching The Bodyguard on on a flight the other day, and you know, I it's like I it, actually what's an interesting thing is like sometimes it's the soundtrack that makes the movie. Like the movie itself, The Bodyguard is fine, but like the killer Diane Warren penned Whitney Houston tracks are like what make the movie the movie. Um, I feel like there's a couple of these movies here too, where it's just like, it's not, it's, it's a good movie, but I think the soundtrack addition in the film is like what carries the plot in many ways. Um, I think Tarantino does a good job with that. Like, totally. uh, he, he, he's very good at like really inserting a song in the right place to help further the plot or kind of define the mood. And I know that once upon a time in Hollywood was kind of a drag for a lot of people because it's three hours long. But I liked what he did where he had the L.A. radio station on pretty much the entire time in the background of this film. It like gave it a real mood. It was like I think it was KHJ Los Angeles um, and like had the old call signs and everything, which was kind of cool. So, um, yeah, fun times. Um, Is there anything from the soundtracks era that you'd like to see make a comeback besides like just soundtracks in general. Is there, is there anything else that you're like, we need this in 2023 or 2024? I need blockbusters to have a blockbuster single attached. Yeah. I need, I need, I need these. Sorry to bring it back. Yeah. I'm sorry to bring it back, but like, but not for necessarily for the purpose of winning a fucking Oscar. Just do it because it's no, it's the right thing to do. Do it that way. But like, because I want a like, I want an Aerosmith level can't miss a yes. thing song to go with like Ambuela Ants or something. Ambulance didn't have like <laughs> didn't have like no, a banger I song. Agree. Like, I really can't think of the last time a banger song preceded the popularity of a movie. I want like that level again. Like I know, what's, like get someone on it. I don't. I think it's a really tough nut to crack, though. I think it's definitely it you is. know easier said than done. But I do believe that someone can do it. 
It was such a big deal. I feel like until 15, 10 years ago, almost every movie that was like even a superhero movie or an action movie would have a song like Kiss by a Rose from the Grave oh. like is still a banger. I don't care what you say. It's it like not you, but the people out there. It's a great song. Even I not don't me, like you like collective you collectively and even I don't like Nickelback, but listen, that hero song from the Spider-Man soundtrack was was very like it was a perfect song to put in that movie. I don't know. Like it's a perfect like 2000. Like, I don't know. I it's not. <laughs> I see your face. It's I don't not know, a great with you song. On, I can't walk with you on that one, but I support the point you're trying to make. The because point I I'm trying support to support women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their rights and their wrongs. And they're wrongs. I can be a flawed character too. <laughs> yes, you but contain yeah. multitudes, etc. But yeah, Michael no, Bay. I know, I know what you mean. Like, but but then that also begs the question of like, who's like a big arena rock band that could do that? Like Metallica? <laughs> like I mean, what the fuck do I mean? I'm not saying that just, from like a place of, of knowledge at no, all. No, like, I'm thinking, but about I'm trying it. to think of like the last Foo- big rock band that everybody knows not some like random fucking tiktok no, thing like, like a real not, not a real but like a, a big band that like could sell out chase or levi's i think that's, like, foo rolling fighters st- foo, i think um, it's on foo fighters like rolling that- stone just like put they the rolling stones just put out like a, a new album maybe they could do yeah. it dude yeah i like the stones could probably do it i think the foo fighters could do it um, I think, yeah, they're really the great rock bands, if you will. Like, it's just not as much of a thing anymore. It's all either it's a nostalgia act at this point, or it's like a very, you know, niche kind of band. There are not like these huge well, so bands. I, I think the problem is that it needs to be both. It needs to be a giant band and it needs to be a good song because I'm you're talking about like reunion acts and like nostalgia stuff. I'm just thinking about that in sync single that just came out for the trolls too yeah, and trolls. landed r- landed with a fucking thud. Nobody, yeah. I mean, like everybody listened to that no. song exactly one time, went okay, and then moved on because first of all, it's just Timberlake. No, <sighs> it's not even that, Emily. It's trolls too, which like the millennial people that in sinkers are catering to. Sure, some of them have kids, but they the they don't care about including their kids in this and in this in in sync nostalgia we want like a reunion tour to be fair and if you're going to do like a big single like it better be for like whatever some scarlett johansson like blockbuster rom-com i don't know i'm just saying a-list words but like it doesn't have to be her but it needs to be something like that you know what i mean and that and the song was also not good sorry it was not a good song so it needs to be all three like you need to get max martin back in here you need to literally perform whatever fucking voodoo you did in 1999 do replicate all of the exact same energy and then also tie it to like a good movie or it needs to be like michael bay like Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm again listing the actors that were in Ambulance. <laughs> no, be... <laughs> but Michael Bay, yeah, yeah, no. Bill Mateen. I'm it glad you're bringing be... it. Yeah, you know what I mean. But yes. it needs to be all those things. It needs well, to be a perfect storm. It can't be just like some fucking random movie, and then you you think that you have like the Midas touch. You fucking don't. No, I agree with you, and I think what's interesting and it can't be for Netflix. Like... That's my other caveat. Sorry, it no. cannot be a fucking direct to streaming theater. Thing. theater. No, yeah, it has yeah. to be a theatrical a theater, release. Yeah, that has Barbie oh. marketing campaign money. You That's know, what it someone needs. someone might come to us and try to say that the whatever see you again from the flight the Fast and the Furious movie the like song they play as a tribute might be an exception but I don't think it's that's not. not an epic song it's that's not. not an epic song it's not an that's, exception it's heavy um, on the falsetto it's not keep, it's not an epic song keep your dissertation that is not accurate but I was thinking did Michael that song Bay, even chart like no no but yeah it did it was like a hit on the like adult contemporary side I don't know but Michael that's not Bay, a hot 100 much, you and I know that <laughs> I know but like Michael Bay straight up had almost every one of his movies in the 90s and 2000s had a tie-in because of course there's Aerosmith but I remember that big Faith Hill song in Pearl Harbor that was like a I think she was nominated for an Oscar for it but like he his movies always had for a while like Wait, a then- big hit song Oh no, he didn't do Con Air. Sorry, I was like, and then no. what's the song in Con no, Air? No, how awesome. do I live though? That's Thank another. You. That's another Leanne. Well, the story that's there. I mean, we talked. We yeah, we talked about it. I think like Trisha Yearwood had a version, and Leanne Rhymes had a version, and one's on the album, but like one was nominated for an Oscar. But anyway, that's another epic like 
what a great song, like such a fun. I mean, anything that can go on a karaoke stage is like good. That's what we're looking for. I want but like, I, but they played that song because Nicolas Cage beat a man to death for like, <laughs> for like yelling at his wife in a bar, and then he was and then set in motion the events of Con Air. So I'm just saying, it's very funny that that's like the epic song that comes from that movie, and that's the scene. Oh my god! That they put I it under. It's, I, it's just it's just interesting. Men are interesting. Men are interesting, and I just remembered the time there was a Bachelor episode where they played a cover of that song during, I think was supposed to be, it was one of the fantasy suite scenes, and it was not the original version. It was a cover by one of the producer's wives who could not sing, and it was very bad. I'm sure if someone YouTubes it, I'll I'll try to find it on TikTok and put it on TikTok, but it was just, it was terrible. Um, But yeah, we need epic songs. The Bachelor loves to have like bands that you can kind of quite literally not see anywhere else or ever see a generic again. country. It's going to be something like uh, you and I oh, could fully get on that show as like a live music act. <laughs> we, we could, you know, I don't we could use AI for good in this case in which we create a fictional mediocre country band and we call ourselves something like Cracked Dirt Road. And that's like. Oh my Are you God, sure that's not a previous band's name, though, that's been on The Bachelor? Because that sounds familiar. It's like, you know, like Kaylin C. and Jason get to dance during their one-on-one to recording artist Crack Dirt Road. In an <laughs> empty fire. airport hangar. <laughs> okay, but well, you were trying to make a larger point about, about soundtracks, though, and before I got us off track. Uh, it's just, it's just not as it's not fun anymore right it's not fun like barbie really is the first glimpse of fun i've had in a while when it comes to a soundtrack um and then thank god for you know some fictional bands like daisy jones which again was a miniseries oh, yeah. not a movie but you yes, know but the music was really so, really better than the miniseries better than the miniseries way like way better yeah you know what way i'm not better. rewatching the miniseries but you know what i am listening to constantly daisy jones and the six Listen, and as I know I've said before, I, I know that Ashley Ray is on our side about this fictional band as well. <laughs> listen, on my Spotify rap this year, you are going to see Baby Billy and you're going to see Daisy Jones and the Six. <laughs> Another there's gonna be a lot of Bible bonkers in there will come a payday. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I, I, I don't think anybody's prepared for how good Uncle Baby Billy's fictional music career is because <laughs> it is really good. <laughs> It's so good. Misbehaving. Oh, my God. I mean, to go back to HBO, like, sometimes they don't always get – they obviously don't always get it right, but they did get it right with Elder the OG, that rap, and uh, in Misbehaving. Like, those are some of the best singles that I listen to unironically. Yeah, I think HBO has been the one to really do – you know, support – the the concept of a good soundtrack like they're really the one uh exception right now in most cases and what's funny is they're warner brothers which is what barbie was was the studio that brought barbie so you know whatever the conglomerate's full name is now time warner cnn roy star waco whatever you want to <laughs> it's you know still okay in the soundtrack game really the the exception to the rule but we could we can always do better <laughs> Yes, I would. I would love some better soundtracks in the future. Um, do you think we'll ever see a soundtrack sell a million copies or like have like a million, even if it's like digital copies or streams, like billions of streams or whatever? I'd be surprised if Barbie isn't getting close to that at all. Yeah. You know, they also did like a vinyl release of that as well. But um, never say never. We no idea. Yeah, no idea. I think true. I think it's of course it's possible. Um but we'll have to see. Yeah. Well, any final thoughts for today? Uh any shout-outs, honorable mentions we didn't mention today that you just want to call out quickly? I mean, you know, the letters to Cleo owning the 10 things I hate about you soundtrack like changed oh, my yeah. life, like great. Oh, yeah. Love. Um yeah. and bring back more fictional bands with good music. You know, it's, release Uncle Baby Billy's like full album. <laughs> Give yeah. him an LP. Agreed. And let um, Jack Antonoff write a fucking hit song for a blockbuster movie. I think that might be the key here. 
yeah, and not a kids movie because really no. the exceptions. It's An just adult. been trolls and minions. I don't want to see a troll or a minion in sight. And I don't want anyone to tell me what a minion is ever. I don't want to know. We don't need to know. Ignorance is bliss. Please. Uh, it's all I have he, left is my ignorance. It's really, <laughs> it's really all we have left. Uh, I think the only honorable mention I would say is like the OC soundtracks were really big. Oh, sure. When we were in Garden State. But like, you know, that was, Ugh. that was, yeah, I know. Well, like I've been thinking about it a lot after seeing Death Cab. And I was like, because you saw the Postal those, Service yeah. recently. Yeah, that's why you're thinking about it's it. It's truly why, yes, I too was one of the many crying millennials in the Bay Area this past week in the, in the rain, watching Ben Gibbard sing sad songs. <laughs> well, like, well, no, I mean, I think even in our Garden State Manic Pixie Dream Girl talk with Kaylee from last season we do yeah. talk about how good that soundtrack is so it is, it is. a good soundtrack still and good I you know unfortunately begrudgingly support, support it I also would say the wedding singer soundtrack I loved it got me into oh, 80s music it's great yes same that's like probably where I heard a lot of 80s songs for the first time so yeah soundtrack shout out to Adam Sandler for the wedding singer soundtrack um well with that we say thank you <laughs> Go listen to some soundtracks. Um, let us know if we missed any soundtracks that you think are iconic that we didn't get to or that we didn't talk about. Or if you are, if you recently bought a vinyl of a, an old, quote unquote old, <laughs> as my old film teacher used to say, <laughs> the 90s isn't old. It's not a classic movie. But if you have bought a classic movie soundtrack from the 90s on vinyl, or if you're like my friend Veronica, who recently bought the Wayne's World 2 soundtrack on cassette tape at a flea market, Okay. We want to hear about it, you know. Yeah. And you, the best way to do that is you can follow us on Instagram at the Old Millennials Pod, and you can follow us there and leave us a comment if we missed any soundtracks or if you have any good soundtrack recent purchases. And am I forgetting anything else? Oh yes, duh. Uh, as we beg of you every episode, please, please, please leave us five stars, won't you? <laughs> won't you? Won't you do the right thing and just say something nice about us? And then that can be like, you know, we're we're in we're deep in Q four. You know, the year is wrapping up. There's only so yeah. much time for you to like rack up like good karma for this year. And That's why don't right. you do it by leaving these sad, lowly podcasters a five star review, whether you listen yeah. on Apple Podcasts I, or Spotify? Is I heard that. Else? No, I mean, it's Apple and Spotify. I heard that both of them have decided that uh, smaller podcasts can no longer get ratings lower than four stars. So so I think you by by law now, you're going to have to be forced to give us a five-star rating. See? Legally. Even Emily says it. That's how you know it's legal. <laughs> With her As girl she... – between her girl math and <laughs> part-time law degree. And my grifter. <laughs> statements oh well you'd be so happy to know that i did a co-worker's uh birth chart at, at team dinner this oh, week after oh, a martini <laughs> what a treat what a treat truly brings people together yes well and now that we've officially veered into astrology that's how you know we've got to wrap it up so we will see you next week for a brand new episode and make sure you're subscribed everywhere because we have a bunch of really fun guests coming up and we would be so sad if you didn't get to hear them uh chat with us about various topics so yeah make sure you're subscribed and we'll see you guys next week but bye bye head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.